took him out to meet Converse, which at that time was the official shoe of the NBA. The Converse weapon, that's the shoe that Magic do what he was born to do. They have Magic Johnson, Dr. J, Bernard King, Larry Bird. You already know what you did for me. What? I walked away with the MVP. The Converse weapon, the number one weapon in the NBA. Converse had big players. And told me we cannot envision you being put ahead of them. Okay, fine. Did you have a shoe company that you wanted to go with? That was Adidas. I like the Lakers. I like Marcus Johnson. And I like Adidas. I like Adidas shoe. Adidas was really dysfunctional by that time. And they had just told me, like, we'd love to have Jordan. We just can't make a shoe work at this point in time. (laughs) I mean, you talk about, Craig, sometimes when one remark, one decision is worth... Hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars. Adidas going, eh, we're not ready. <laughs> eh, yeah. we're not ready to make a shoe for you. That's the one Michael Jordan wanted to go to. And Converse, yeah, we got Magic and Larry. Eh, we don't, you're, you're just a rookie. No, we're not going to make you a big star. And then Nike said it hoped once Michael Jordan reluctantly signed up with Nike that they could sell $3 million worth of Air Jordans in four years, and they did a hundred thirty million. They did a hundred thirty million in year one. Yeah, that was a huge gamble by Nike. Huge. Uh, wow. Look at them now. Look at look, them now. Yeah, look at them now. Uh, just another, just another kind of a testament to the sphere of uh, power of Michael Jordan. And uh, I'm getting uh, drunk off the power every week. I am not worn out yet or hung over. Keep injecting it into my veins. It's not just because I'm a Jordan fan. I'm a documentary fan. And, you know, we just heard Mark Oven and say it. A lot of people said, how do you get 10 episodes in 10 hours out of this? Are you kidding? I mean, they had about eight or nine different layers to it last night. And uh, that was just one of them. I mean, that might not have been one of the top five elements of last night. But I, I did think uh, just, again, an amazing course in the change of history of business in athletics and one company, Nike, um, on, on Michael Jordan's mom basically forcing him to fly out to Oregon to meet the people at Nike and give them a give them a chance at his shoe deal before he became the Michael we all even know. So anyway, uh, it is week number three in a row of Monday at four o'clock, the spot we usually have for thumbs up, thumbs down, devoted to what everybody's talking about, because since we don't have games, this is our weekly game of the week in American sports. The Last Dance, and uh, so we're going to unload our thumbs up, thumbs down about that right now, Craig, Uh, but it still will follow the same principle that we've been following for almost 20 years on this show, Monday at 4. There is a sports team, a sports issue, maybe they deserve a pat on the back, maybe there's a sports team, an issue, deserve a pat on the back for a job well done, maybe it's a kick in the keister, we call it thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, now, in general, are you giving a thumbs up to the the overall the the documentary as it continues to roll along? I think you just heard my feelings. Um, I'll give I'll give some reasons, but I'm I'm still all in on this one. What about you? Yeah, it's a great history documentary. It it, it reminds me a lot of what was going on back back then in the '80s and '90s. You know, we're getting some behind the scenes stuff, which is pretty good. Yeah, you know, I I had forgotten that he went to the casino the night before Game Two of the of the nineteen ninety three Eastern Conference Finals, <laughs> and you know what? And some people blasting him for doing that, but you know what? It, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me that he went to a 
a night out, went somewhere else to get away from it all. I mean, it wasn't like he was Eugene Robinson from Atlanta or Ray Lewis the night before the Super Bowl. Um, so, you know, but I think what was brought forward last night was the competition problem that he said he had. Yeah. A lot of us will call it a gambling problem. Yes. Um, I mean, if he is uh, going, if he, is, he if he wants to play in a card game that's worth a dollar per hand just to take your money, uh, that's a gambling problem. See, I, I bought it's that. not I, a competition problem. I'm sorry. I, I bought Will Purdue's explanation on that. I think that was more about competition to Michael. He wasn't looking, he wasn't looking to make it literally just another buck. He just wanted to beat those guys at playing cards as well. He couldn't, he couldn't possibly sit there on a plane and, and uh, with two different card games going on and not dominate both tables, the <laughs> high-stakes table he was at and the $1 table, the, oh, the, mere, the mere millionaires of uh, Will Purdue and uh, DJ Armstrong, they probably weren't making $1 million per player back then. Um, anyway, I do, I, it is a d- definition issue. Did he have a gambling problem? And that it, that is something that I wonder how if this documentary will take that turn for his father's death because some people have connected his father's death to his gambling debts and uh, also to him, quote-unquote, retiring after the three-peat in 93 and starting to play baseball, and there might have been a suspension under the table from the NBA because of his gambling addiction and gambling debts, and uh, it'll be fascinating to see how much ground is covered there and what we learn next week because uh, the director of the documentary did say on the Dan Patrick Show today that that is what's coming next, his father's death, and... um, and how things might be connected. I don't know. I mean, would you would you would you say he had a gambling problem by watching this? Mm. Problems a big word. Yeah, problem. He loved to do it. He yeah, had the money to do it. The problem is to every it's 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 your definition and my definition is right. probably different. Yeah. Uh, I mean, see, he certainly had the money to do it. Uh, did it affect his life? It may have, <laughs> especially with uh, any connections with his his dad's murder. Um, and we'll find out more on that. But we'd all love to be able to do what he does, which, again, goes to last night, the be like Mike thing. Mm-hmm. How many of us would like to be like Mike? I think most of all of us would not be able to handle what Michael Jordan had to handle. Yes. Day in, day out. Um, and, and trying to keep that perceived uh, nice guy atmosphere and dealing with the media all the time. I, I thought that was that was great last night and, and the stuff that they went through on that. Uh, yeah, I usually have a cynical side and a cynical streak to me and don't like to believe the horse's mouth or PR firms, um, sometimes our most powerful people. But in Jordan's case, there there's definitely some belief to just by 93, even though he was only like 20, 32, 33 years old, he literally had a decade of basketball left in him because he ended up playing for a, for all but two of another 10 years, two or three of another 10 years, that he was he was burnt out by all that. And that third title in a row, you could see the difference in the celebration from that first one at the end of last week's last dance compared to this year when you go into the locker room and he's just flat out tired. Yep. And uh, he, he wanted to get away. And, and we got to get a great sense of what it was like to be Michael Jordan as you mentioned, this Be Like Mike thing where 
they go into his hotel room and it's just him and he said and he just loved being he loved being barricaded from the rest of the world in his hotel room because it's the only time he uh, during the season he it was ever quiet for him the second he stepped out maybe not of his room but into a hotel lobby on his way to a, a stadium it was just pandemonium everywhere and that'd be cool for like once in our lives it'd be great to be the Beatles for a day or Michael Jordan for a day just to see what that's like. But, it, yeah, it, I got the feeling it was, uh, after a while, hell. And I don't care how much money you have uh, or how much you get to enjoy that money, because uh, uh, clearly he did and clearly he has. But it, I can certainly see how it w- would wear you down. And that's what I want documentaries to do, to make me feel something and give me a glimpse into what it's like to be these people. So I am not, I'm not checked out on this. Uh, I put up a Twitter poll at KWSN Sports. Are you getting tired of the last dance yet? Um, and 55% of you say, no, you can't get enough. 10% say you're a little fatigued. Not one of you says you're worn out. Like the Tiger King, which was sweeping America a month or two ago. There are a lot of people like me who just, okay, you, you fell into the trap. And you were mesmerized by all of it, the train wreck, train wreck aspect. And, that's you know, at some point for me, I, I heard Dan Patrick saying this at the time. You just, you, okay, I'm not interested in it anymore. It's just a freak show. And I get told by people that I like and respect, oh, no, you got to watch it the whole way through. It just gets better and better and better. It has no redeeming social quality, but, my God, it's great. I checked out, and I know a lot of people did. With this, it doesn't feel like very many people are checking out. But, you know, we're preaching to the choir here. It's sports fans, and what's what's a bigger and better sports story than the entire career and arc of Michael Jordan, really? Um, there's never been anything like it. So most people are uh, can't get enough of it. it. It is crazy, Craig, on this poll. Early results, 36% of the KWSN crowd, the Fox Sports 98-1 crowd, Hasn't watched it, or is, or is I, I put slash quit watching it. 36%. That's a high number. I'm, I'm surprised. I, I, I'd love to hear from people who have stopped watching it or haven't watched it all. Why? Uh, probably th- they're uh, Detroit Pistons or <laughs> Laker fans. Tired. Yeah. By the way, I have not, I've yet to see a missed shot by... Michael Jordan. Oh, they did. No, the they showed the it. The end of that Knicks game in uh, the Eastern Conference oh, Finals okay. in 93. One. one. <laughs> yes. Uh, one. W- which uh, introduced us to maybe he was getting tired and weak from his <laughs> night, from his uh, all night of gambling with his dad in Atlantic City uh, to introduce that story. Um, man, I mean, I, I've just got so many things on the list. Three, three, six, twelve, thirty. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Last dance. I especially want to hear from those of you who haven't watched it. Or who quit watching it? Three, three, six, twelve, thirty. Just why? Um, I'm not saying it's gotten better. It, it feels like it kind of hit that peak with the whole Pistons series thing last week. That, to me, as a Bulls fan, was kind of the the height of the emotional peak for me, both living it and then watching it again. Where I was a Bulls fan because of Michael Jordan when I was like eight, and they sucked, and and then they would they they would start to lose in the playoffs, and they really couldn't get past the pist. Like that whole climb to the top thing was um, compelling, and it feels like that's where this thing kind of hit the peak. But there's still a lot left. Including now, his, plus his, his move into baseball. I think we're going to hear yes, more about that. Absolutely. And I think next week about his murdered father and what kind of effect that had. And 
You know, the thing, too, the, the, I really believe the, the gambling issue probably surprised a lot of folks. Didn't know he did, he did this. He called it a hobby, even though the IRS found, what, a $57,000 check uh, from a convicted drug trafficker. Mm-hmm. And then there was, what, three other checks over $100,000 and a murdered bail bondsman. I mean, that, and a lot of people speculate that's why he uh, got out of basketball and went to baseball, because there was fear that... He was being forced out of the NBA because of his gambling debt. But that story will be coming this next week. Yeah, and it might be hard, ultimately, to get the truth because this project and this insight and all this footage would not be possible if he not only signed off on it, but has basically controlled the content. So we'll just see where it goes, but it's enough for me. Um, Last night, here's a thumbs up. It started with a bang last night. Uh, I don't think the Nike and Adidas and Converse stuff and the fact that he wasn't a placator for politics uh, was, I mean, it's a part of him, and I'm glad it was addressed. But, it's, you know, it's not nearly as interesting as some of this on-court stuff and the feud with Jerry Krause over the years. Or, the, you know, this again, the footage that you'll get. Magic Johnson in the locker room uh, at the 98 All-Star game where they kind of depicted this as Jordan versus mini Jordan, Kobe Bryant. And uh, here's Michael uh, Magic Johnson into the locker room where Larry Bird, his old nemesis, was the coach of the All-Star team from the East. And Michael Jordan's like the elder statesman. It's basically Jordan, a bunch of young guys. But, uh, you know, a moment of the three most transformative people in our lives in the NBA, Magic, Larry, and Michael. Prior to the season of 92. Wrong one. Sorry about that. Here it is. This is the East locker room. Hold up. Hold up. We got nothing to do with the way up. Hold up. This mother got nothing but his damn Laker colors on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he coached. Nah, I'm with the old mother. Oops, the old mother. There ain't many of us here, dog. That's why I come and say what's up to my boy. How you been doing? How you doing? Damn. Hey, Michael. I, I'm loving it, though. Would you like to have some his ass today? <laughs> hey, hey. You know, I'll be coming at his ass. Just like I used to come at both of y'all. <laughs> there you go. I think that's something people enjoy, the, uh, you know, the... The backroom kind of inside stuff from guys like that when they're, you know, they're talking smack and they're cursing and the real guys behind all those commercials and all those games. Uh, and I also, you know, of course, was mildly transfixed on Kobe Bryant being interviewed because this clearly wasn't long ago before his death. And to see Kobe Bryant as if he's still alive, uh, talking about Michael Jordan and the influence he had on his career. Uh, it was sad, but it was certainly moving. And, you know, Craig, I think both you and I appreciate the start uh, of any sort of content. The start of a book, the start of a movie, if you watch them, the start of a sports show. You got to start with the bang. You got to give people a reason to watch what they've tuned in for. And so the whole Kobe and Michael thing and that footage from that All-Star game, I thought was a great way to start last night. Yeah, it was good. I'll be watching next weekend. Any other any other things that stood out from uh, last night for you? Not for Last Dance, no. Okay. Is that a cue that you want to, this segment to wind down soon? No, you finish uh, what you got for Last Dance. I got some <laughs> others. Um, well, at this point, I'll have to give the Cliff's Notes version. I mean, it's it's great. We have we have all kinds of audio clips from last night, but 
Uh, it was great to see Mars Blackman and Spike Lee in the commercials again. And I was waiting for, you know, the, the next great opponent that the the Bulls had and uh, the rival they had. And that was the Knicks. People are like, oh, well, what are you doing after you've gotten the Bulls-Pistons thing? The Bulls-Knicks were a big deal. I freaking hated the Knicks. Not as much as I hated the Pistons. But uh, Pat Riley's Knicks and the Bulls, the Knicks turned into the goons that just tried to murder Michael Jordan at the bucket and got in their head a little bit. And, uh, well, I'm not tired of any of this, Craig. I guess I would say I'm getting the point of some of it. And we just continue to see rolled out incidents year after year, uh, hour after hour, episode after episode of the pettiness, the arrogance, the brilliance, and the just how almost certifiably crazy people at the top of their industry, brilliant people are. How competitive they are. Michael Jordan, Jerry Krause. I mean, this thing comes kind of back to both of them, right? And uh, just how brilliant and arrogant and crazy both of them are. Jerry Krause, for the sheer fact that he he was on Tony Kukoc like a fly-on you-know-what. And that was before NBA scouts and GMs really got into looking at the possibility of European additions. This was before even Dirk Nowitzki. But just how obsessed... Jerry Krause was one step ahead of everybody else and how it really pissed off the Bulls, Scotty and Michael, and how transfixed Jerry Krause was on uh, Tony Kukoc from Croatia to the point where when the U.S. team played Croatia in the Olympics, Jordan and Pippen, being the petty alpha dogs they were, they wanted to destroy Tony Kukoc basically because of Jerry Krause, because of the guy on their team, because of their boss and their owner. In, um, just amazing. And uh, so I'm kind of getting that point. These people are uh, crazy. They will but chew anybody's head off to uh, get to the top and then to stay at the top. And that's just kind of how you have to be wired to be as successful as people like Michael Jordan and Jerry Krause are. And that also goes for, uh, again, it's, it's not getting old, but it certainly isn't new anymore, how personal Michael Jordan made it with, with his opponents. And with, like, Clyde Drexler and the Blazers. After the Bulls had beaten the Lakers the year before, they gotten past the Pistons. Then there's the Blazers. Based on the way I was playing at that time, it wasn't even close. So I attacked him every night. Anyway, Michael Jordan's just lighting up a, a t- fantastic player in the history of basketball, Clyde Drexler. But, Craig, he was so mad that this was being billed as Jordan versus Drexler, as if Drexler belonged in a marquee with him. And then uh, so that fueled him for that series. And then it was uh, Dan Marley and the Suns the next year. Dan Marley was regarded as one of the best defensive players in the NBA, and he could give Jordan fits, and he did. And Jordan just hated here. He... he he had the self-confidence and certainly the resume and the performance to that everybody already knew he was the best basketball player on the planet. And yet, just how petty he was about Drexler and Marley and proving that he could destroy them and then destroying them. Uh, again, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that aspect of it. Well, he had motivation and he almost had a hatred to motivate himself to yeah. be good. Gee, he's kind of like Kirk Cousins in the Minnesota Vikings. 
I guess. Isn't that, what, isn't that what Kirk Cousins said last year? He needed to get mad. That's right. He needed to get mad before every yeah. game. And, and then he went on like a five-game win streak. And oh, he was mad every week. Blah, blah, blah. And well, that's what all goes behind like, uh, uh, you Michael, like that. Michael Jordan. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, beyond the uh, series. <laughs> what a comparison yeah. that was. Yeah. Sure. Maybe someday, Craig. Maybe someday. Hmm. Uh, hey, it took Jordan eight years to win a, an NBA title. Cousins, what are we going on now? We're about six, seven years. Mm-hmm. Uh, any, anything else outside of the last dance? Thumbs up, thumbs down? Uh, thumbs up. Uh, news just came out. Dave Dolan, the Rapid City Central track coach, retiring after 38 years. Good job, Dave. Here's a guy that's been in education forever. He's a great guy out west. They're going to lose him on Rapid City. Then, of course, Don Shula passed away uh, today. Um, all-time winningest football coach in the NFL. Yeah. He had two losing seasons. I still remember the Super Bowl back in 74 when uh, the Dolphins taking on uh, the Vikings, and it wasn't even close. That Super Bowl was not even close. Miami was the favorite. They whooped up on the Vikings 24-7. to Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of been forgotten. Like, he died today. I wasn't surprised. He's 90. But I kind of felt bad for him. He's the winningest coach in NFL history. It's been 23 years since he retired, and people just kind of forgot about him. And what's really sad is, obviously, uh, he is – I have a friend who lives in southern Florida. He's a god there. And, unfortunately, there's going to be uh, no uh, chance for a massive uh, gathering to, to celebrate him. I'm sure something – Terrific will be done virtually, but, I mean, that would be some ceremony if, uh, you know, if we're in a pandemic for a guy who certainly deserves it. Um, and by the way, he averaged, over, he averaged 10 wins a year for 33 years. 10 wins. Uh-huh. And his first, like, eight or nine seasons, there were only 14 games on the NFL slate. He's going, I mean, it's just, yeah, he was, uh, he was pretty good. Sports Talk with Craig and John, and we roll on. Let's keep talking NFL with Curtis Riggs. Uh, Our football digs with Curtis Riggs and the biggest NFL headline over the weekend, Andy Dalton to the Cowboys. Is that going to shake things up with Dak Prescott? I have a couple Cowboy fan friends who are like, oh, baby, they're they're excited about this. Move over, Dak. Uh, See if Curtis, the quarterback guy, feels the same way next on Fox Sports 98.1, AM 1230, KWSN.com. Did you miss one of the awesome discussions or compelling interviews? Hear them back by going to KWSN.com. Click on Podcasts. It's easy and available anytime. KWSN.com. Click on Podcasts.